0: That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. You know, a few years back, I used to run a radio and TV ministry, and it was kind of cool to think that something you produced was being seen and heard by people all around the world. But the downside was that it costs a lot of money to put something on the air. So you're constantly trying to talk people into being donors. You're constantly trying to talk people into product to offset the cost. And I can remember friends used to say, man, don't you get tired of talking people into stuff? And I said, you know, I really don't. I mean, I I really don't because I believe in what we're putting out there and I believe it can change lives. So today I want to talk you into something because I believe in what I'm talking about and I think it can change your life. Today I want to talk you into faith. That's right. I want to talk you into faith. Now I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, well, Rob, I have faith. That's why I'm here in church because I have faith. I have faith. Okay. I've, I've, I've got this faith. And if that's you and that's true, that's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe this talk is is more about you learning what to do to talk somebody you know or somebody you love into faith. But the reason why I wanted to talk about faith is because I know that all of us, all of us are gonna face some circumstance in life. All of us are gonna face some difficulty in life that's causing us to question our faith. See, I think a lot of people are like the father in Mark nine. Remember the father who takes his son to Jesus to, to have Jesus heal him. He says, Jesus, if you can, if you can, would you heal my son? And Jesus looks at him and says, if I can, if I can, I mean, come on, all things are possible for those who believe. And the father says, well, I believe, I believe, but can you help me with my unbelief? Can you help me with my unbelief? See, I think we want to believe. I think we want to have faith. But then we just face something in life that gets us to doubt our faith. Now, we're in good company. We're in good company because remember the disciples had problems with their faith. I mean, they were, they were fine trusting Jesus as long as he was fixing somebody else, but the minute the storm hit their life, that faith goes out the window. And Jesus is going, "Where's your faith? Where's your faith?" Bill talked about this. Bill talked about being at a crisis of belief because of what happened to his wife, Cindy. He talked about it in the last series, Prepared. And what an amazing series. If you missed this series, make sure you go to metchurch.com and watch this because it was a life-changing series. I mean, an incredible series. If you know anybody who's going through anything, make sure they watch this series because it will change their life. And we're just blessed to have a pastor that is is so transparent and, and willing to share his heart And he was talking about how he was at a crisis of belief. And he said that if his faith was not founded and grounded in the right thing, he would have never made it through his circumstances. And what I know is that if your faith is not founded and grounded in the right thing, you might face something that would cause you to walk away from your faith. Have you been watching the news or, or seeing on social media there was a couple of, of well-known Christians that, that have walked away from their faith. There was a Christian author, there was a, there was a Christian songwriter, and they just walked away from their faith. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you do that? I mean, how do you walk away from God? How do you walk away from your faith? Well, I was listening to a guy by the name of Frank Turek. He's he's another Christian author. He's a radio host. He's a brilliant guy. He speaks all across the nation at at, uh, different college campuses. And he said this. He said, the reason, the reason so many people are easily talked out of Christianity is because they were never talked into it in the first place. He said, the reason why... Students, the reason why uh, kids going off to college, the reason why singles or couples or just really anybody is so easily talked out of their faith is because they were never talked into it in the first place. And so that's what I want to do. I want to talk you into your faith. But before I do that, though, I do want to address the guys that walked away from their faith. I do wanna address that because I was, I was reading about why they walked away and, and one of the things that they said was the reason why they couldn't follow God anymore, the reason why they couldn't trust God anymore, the reason why they couldn't put their belief in God anymore is because they couldn't be behind a God that would send so many people to hell. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's the quote. The reason why they were talked out of their faith is because they remember talked into it because God does not send anybody to hell. God does not do that. Okay, God did not give up his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, for me, and for the entire world just to send people to hell. God wants everybody to come into a relationship with him. Second Peter 3, 9, it says that God is patient with us. He is patient. He sees all that's going on, and he's trying to maneuver everything so that you come into a relationship with him to spend eternity with him. But he's given you free will. He's given you free will, and he says it's your choice but I prepared the way I sent my son. Now the choice is yours. Let me put it in a different way. Ladies, ladies, have you ever had any guy like pursue you that you just didn't want to be with? You know, he was, he was coming after you. He wanted to be with you. He was doing things for you. He was, he was telling you how much they loved you and wanted to be with you and all this. And you were like, oh, I just don't want it. I just don't want it. I just don't want that. Well, what would you say if that guy could make you spend the rest of your life with him? Hmm? That you had no choice. You had to spend the rest of your life with this guy. You wouldn't like it, would you? Well, that's what God's saying. I'm pursuing you. I wanna be with you. I love you. I want the best for you. But if you wanna give me the Heisman, then it's your choice. And what you have to understand is eternity is spent in one of two places, with God or without God. But the choice is yours. God does not send anybody to hell. He doesn't do that. You know, I'm kind of on my soapbox here a little bit and I'm I'm gonna stay on it a little bit because (laughs) I'm passionate about this. I'm so tired of people trying to talk people out of their faith. I'm so tired of people who don't follow God thinks it's their duty to make sure nobody else follows God. I mean, they're not talking us into something. They're trying to talk us out of something. At least when we're talking to somebody who doesn't believe, we're like going, man, we want you to do this because we want you to have eternity with God. But somebody who doesn't believe is trying to talk us out of something. And I mean, and what's the big deal? If they're right and we're wrong, we've tried to live a good life, we try to love people and we die and that's it. But you see, if we're right and they're wrong, they've tried to talk us out of spending eternity with God. Time to talk us out. So don't let anybody try to talk you out of your faith because people will try to do that. It actually happened to me not long ago. Somebody tried to talk me out of my faith. It was was great. It was actually on the pickleball court Okay, pickleball is my new obsession. Anybody know what pickleball is? Okay, loving, loving me some pickleball. That's it. Look it up. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But anyway, the staff all kind of gives me a hard time because I was talking about it. But now I got most of them playing. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> they're all doing it. But I love I love this sport. And people are going, Ah, why are you playing pickleball? It's for old people. And I said, Well, I'm old. What's your problem? Okay. <laughs> What's your point? But no, it's actually for everybody. Everybody plays this game. It's a lot of fun. And I've got to meet a lot of great people uh, doing this. It's a chance to meet people I haven't met before and kind of talk about what I do and and share that. But it was interesting. I just uh, was playing one time with a guy I'd never uh, played with before, never met before. And um, and so we were playing together against two other people. And uh, let me just say, this guy had colorful language, okay? Let me, let me just put it that way. He, he had very colorful language. And uh, so we were playing and he, he missed a shot and all of a sudden uh, this bomb comes out of his mouth, okay? You know, you know what I'm talking about, okay? This bomb comes out of his mouth. Well, then I'm playing, I hit a shot and I actually hit a winner and it was good. And that bomb comes out of his mouth again. And I'm thinking, oh, it's used both ways, good and bad. I didn't know, <laughs> okay? You know, you learn something every day. You kind of use it both sides. Well, he continued to do this over and over and over And then finally, somebody on the side goes, Hey, dude, you might not know this, but you're playing with a pastor. (laughs) And so he drops a bomb and then says, I'm sorry. And I said, no, man, it's okay, it's okay, it's, it, no problem, no problem. Well, we ended up playing, and afterwards, he was apologizing again, and I said, no. I said, that's great. I said, don't worry about it. I said, and I started talking about the church, and I said, you know what? You'd fit right in with our church. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I said, you fit right on in. I said, we're we're, we're not about judging people. We're, we're just about bringing people to Jesus. We want you to come as you are, and so hopefully one day he'll come. Now, that's not the guy who tried to talk me out of my faith, okay? This happened the first time. I was up there, and I hadn't played before, and he started hitting, and, and after we hit a little bit, we started breaking, uh, took a break to get a drink, and he saw my keychain. I have a cross on my keychain. And he goes, you one of them Christians? <laughs> and I said... Yeah, I am. I, I'm one of those Christians. And he says, well, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been doing some studying and, and, uh, and, and, you know, the Bible's not true. And I was like, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I've seen some interact- inaccuracies in the Bible. And I said, well, really, what are they? And he says, well, you know, the world wasn't created in six days. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, and all the animals weren't on the ark. And I said, hmm. Okay, and he says, and you know, research shows that a whale does not have a throat large enough to swallow a whole man, it can't do it. And I said, oh, okay, and he says, so if that's not true, then then that means you know the Bible can't be true and that means God's probably not true, so how can you be a Christian? I said, oh, I said, well, let me tell you how I can be a Christian. I said, I said first thing I'd like to tell you is that When people first became Christians, they didn't become Christians because the world was created in six days. They didn't first become Christians because all the animals were on the ark. And they didn't first become Christians because Jonah was swallowed by a whale. In fact, when people first became Christians, they didn't become Christians because of the Bible, because there wasn't one. They didn't have a Bible. I said, people became Christians because Jesus died and rose again. That's why they became Christians. That's why I'm a Christian. So where are you at with Jesus? And he was like, Let's keep playing. Come on, come on. <laughs> he goes, Let's keep playing. And see, that's what you need to understand. That's where they found their faith. Their faith was in the death of the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, many people, many theologians believe that's where we got the Bible. The Bible started at the resurrection. It didn't start in Genesis. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection, there was no reason for them to write anything down. There was no reason to put it all down. Paul said that. He said that. He said, if it wasn't for the resurrection, that our faith would be useless. It was in that. That's why we have faith. What was interesting about, after we finished playing, I kind of shared with the guy that I'm a pastor, and he ended up telling me his whole story. That he went to church as a kid, but then he kinda of gotten out and just kinda of had a wayward life. He ended up losing both his parents, and he was going through a real difficult time, and he just lost one of his siblings. And he was really having a, a tough go, and. A, I just spent time with him and I shared the love of Christ and he was talking about how most churches turn them away. I said, ours doesn't. I said, we welcome you. And he was down on his luck and uh, I got him to show up at Food Pantry the next day and and, uh, get stuff to help him out and do that. So don't let anybody talk you out of your faith because you just might talk them into faith. See, if somebody tries to talk you out of your faith, this is what I want you to do, say, hey, Don't waste your time. Instead of trying to talk me out of it, I want you to tell me what you do to talk Peter out of it. What would you do to talk John out of it? What would you do to talk James out of their faith? I mean, what would you do? What would you, what would you tell Peter? Huh? Peter, the guy that traveled with Jesus, the guy that was, was, with, was with him, he was a disciple, the guy that when Jesus was arrested, feared for his own life, he thought what was happening to Jesus was gonna happen to him, and he said, oh, this is over. I thought it was all gonna be happening, but now it looks like all that we believed in is over, and he takes off, goes back to his old life. He denies even knowing Jesus. But then after the resurrection, what, is, what happens? Jesus goes and has breakfast with Peter on the beach. And it changed everything. He went from fearful to fearless. Peter goes back. He goes back to the very place that he was scared of. He goes back to the very people that he was afraid of, the people that put Jesus on trial that sent him to the cross. And he looks at them all and he says, you killed him, but God raised him. And there's no other name by which you can be saved. I mean, you don't do that you don't do that unless you've seen a resurrected Savior. So what would you tell him? Hmm? There's nothing you tell him. What would you tell John? John, remember, another disciple. He was at the crucifixion. He saw it. And then he's in the upper room, and he sees Jesus after the resurrection. And what happens? John starts writing everything down. He starts writing all the things down that he saw. He writes everything down of why he knows that Jesus truly is the Son of God. That he is his savior. He writes this down. In John 20, he actually does this. He says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. And he's not talking about the Bible because we didn't have the Bible then when he started writing out. Just a, a book of all the stuff that he was writing down of doing this. And what he was saying was Jesus did so much more than what I'm talking about. I'm just putting down what I personally saw. Why I have faith why I know that he is the risen savior, the son of God. And I'm putting it down there not to tell you to have faith, but to show you why I have faith and then you can decide for yourself. So what are you gonna tell John, huh? And just on a little side note of this, uh, Elaine Burton just started a Bible study called uh, Miracles here at the church. And uh, it is all about what John wrote down, the signs that he saw that made him have the faith that he has. And if you wanna be in on that, it just started this week. There's nine more weeks to go. It's a great, great study. Sign up for that afterwards. And it talks all about why John had faith. That's why you're not gonna talk John out of it. So don't worry about talking about me. What are you gonna say to John? What are you gonna say to James, the brother of Jesus? Remember James? James didn't think his brother was the Messiah. He thought his brother was crazy. He didn't follow him. But after the resurrection, what happens to James? He becomes the leader in the church in Jerusalem. Leader in the very place that put his brother on trial that sent him, the cross, the very place. And you know what happened to James? History says that James ended up being stoned to death. He was stoned to death for believing that his brother was the son of God who died and rose again. High priest put him to death. Let me tell you people, You might live for a lie, but you're not going to die for a lie. So what would you tell them? There's nothing you could tell them because they saw Jesus die. They saw him rise again. They saw God make good on his promise. And that's why you should have faith. And that's what the author of Hebrews was telling Christians back in the first century. And that's what I wanna look at today. I wanna look at a passage in in Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, interesting thing about Hebrews is we don't know who wrote it, but we do know who it was written to. It was written to a bunch of of Jewish people who became Christians about 60 years or so after the resurrection. And what's interesting, the the word Hebrews means Messianic Jew. That's the translation, it's Messianic Jew, which is a Jew that becomes a, a Christian, and so it's written to them. And these guys were really struggling with their faith. They were struggling with their faith because the first-century Christians were the most persecuted people on the planet. I mean, everything was taken away from them because of their faith. They were they were being taken away. They were being persecuted. They were being killed. I mean, it was an awful thing. And they were thinking about giving up. They're saying, "Man, I just don't know if we can do this anymore." I mean, I know we're supposed to be a light to the world. I know we're supposed to make a difference, but it doesn't seem like it's working and we're the only ones paying for this and I don't know if it's worth it anymore. And they were giving up on their faith. And so the author of Hebrews writes this down and he tells them why they should have faith. And this is why you should have faith. And this is what he says and we're gonna start in verse one. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Right off the bat, he gives us the biblical definition of faith. Faith. In fact, I mean, this is the definition of faith. It's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance what we do not see. And this is what I want you to understand. Faith is confidence, okay? Faith is this not wishful thinking. See, a lot of people think, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian, so I just have faith. I just, I just have wishful thinking. No, it's confidence because it's based on evidence, just like any other faith, Any other faith you have, it's based on evidence. And he's saying, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. All of you have experienced this kind of faith every single day. Maybe not the religious kind, but just faith in general. If you've got a job, you have faith. Because when you went to that job and you sat down, you talked to somebody and he said, this is how much you're gonna pay you per hour or this is what you're gonna pay, uh, your salary is gonna be, and every two weeks you're gonna get this amount of money, Right? And what did you do? You went to work every day for two weeks, banking on the fact that somebody was gonna keep their promise. That's faith. That's what he's talking about here. It's the fact that we have faith because we're banking on somebody's gonna do what they said they were gonna do. And he says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And the ancients they're talking about is all of those people that you grew up hearing about in the Old Testament, You know Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. All these people, all these people, lived their life knowing that God was going to keep his promise. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. They were living their life knowing that God was going to keep their promise. And as you read Hebrews 11, you start seeing they list out all of these great people in the Old Testament that lived their life knowing God was going to keep their promise. This is why a lot of times Hebrews 11 is known as the Faith Hall of Fame, because it's all these great people of faith. And then it gets to verse 13, and this is what it says. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They never got a paycheck. They never saw the promise. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And what this is talking about is when God made a promise to Abraham. Remember, he goes to Abraham and he says, I'm gonna make you the father of a great nation and that through you, I'm gonna bless the entire world. Well, Abraham lived his whole life believing that God was gonna come true on that promise and he never saw it. And his son Isaac lived his whole life believing that God was gonna make true of that promise and he never saw it. And his son Jacob lived his whole life believing that God was gonna come true on that promise and he never saw it. Moses didn't see it, the nation of Israel never saw it. But generation after generation after generation, there was always a group of people who held on to the promise that God was gonna come true. And when I, when I, when I, when I read this, I kinda of think about my own life. And it kinda of convicts me a little bit because I'm thinking, man, these guys held on this long and, and you know if something happens to me on Monday and I pray about it and God hadn't fixed it by Wednesday, I'm starting to doubt God, right? I mean, how many times have you done that? God, this is what I'm going through. And if he waits a whole week, you're not sure there's a God anymore, right? Because he hasn't changed. And these guys are going, are you kidding me? (laughs) We lived our whole life and we held on to the promise and you're giving up after a week? Come on. And so what the author does, he starts listing more people of great faith, of what they did to get through everything they were going through. And then he kind of shows us why we should have faith because of what they endured. He said, you think you've got problems? Let me show you what they went through. And this is what he says. He said, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. What a powerful statement. The world was not worthy of them. And I think he puts this in here because he looks at it and he thinks himself, he goes, man, how many times have I wanted to walk away because God didn't give me what I wanted, when I wanted, and how I wanted it? I wanted to give up on God. And he said, these people live their whole life believing in the promise. And they never gave up and it continues. It says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. And it's not because God didn't see what they were going through. It's not because God didn't care what they were going through. See, the reason why God never uh, uh, gave them the promise was because he had something better for us. They never received it because God was working out his great plan for all of us. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're celebrating God's perfect plan. See, what this passage is talking about is saying that all of these great people in the Old Testament were looking forward to Jesus. They were looking forward to Jesus and what he would do for them on the cross and ultimately what he would do three days later And they had faith, but they never saw it. And he's talking to the Jews in the first century, the ones that had become Christians. He says, you're on the other side of the cross. He says, you're looking back. God has already delivered on his promise. Jesus came, took all of your sin and shame upon himself. He died on the cross for you. He rose again. He defeated the grave. He defeated death. You now have victory. That's why you should have faith. See, you no longer face your circumstances trying to fight for victory. You fight from victory. You already have it. That's why you should have faith. Because God is delivered on his promise. He's delivered on his promise. And then he tells them what to do. He says this in Hebrews 12. He says, therefore, remember every time you read the word therefore in your Bible, you have to ask yourself, what is it? Therefore. It's there to say God delivered on his promise. He did what he said he was going to do. And since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who held on to faith that hadn't seen the promise yet, but they still held on. You now know the promise. You've received the promise. He says, since you've received it, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And the word perseverance means that sometimes you're going to have to go through things. Sometimes you're going to face difficult circumstances. Sometimes you're going to face uncertainty. But guess what? You can get through it. You might be in a valley now, but you're not going to stay in that valley. And why? Because you can fix your eyes on Jesus, the promise. He's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. When you realize that God sent his son to die for you, and that's what your faith is grounded in, you can hold on to it, because it's no longer grounded in if God shows up in this circumstance, God shows up in this relationship. God makes this thing all better. You no longer look at, at what God does for you with those things. You realize what God already did for you. That's the whole thing. When you realize what God did for you, He sent his son to die on the cross. I mean, think about that. Think about, it. He sent his son to die on the cross. All of you with kids, is there anybody you would give up one of your kids for? He gave up his only son for you. He delivered the promise for you. That's what your faith is built on. Nothing else. Not what you go through, but what he did for you. Before we go, I just want to tell you how how to hold on to that faith. How to hold on to that faith? Because I want to look at this word "hinders." Because there are so many things that hinder us, that get us to question our faith, that get us to doubt what's going on. And I want to tell you how to, to how to faith those hindrances. And uh, in your outline that you had, I put there and I put the scripture reference. And I want you to make sure you take these home. You might wanna put it on the mirror in your bathroom, you might wanna put them on your desk at work, you might wanna put them in your car, so that every time you face any of these hindrances, you, you read these scriptures, you put these down, because that's how you faith your hindrances. You faith them with the word of God. You faith them knowing that God has kept his promise and will keep his promise in your life as well. And the first thing that, that hinders us more than anything else is our fears. Fears cause more people to run away from God than anything else. And you know why you fear? You know why you fear? Not because you face something that's bigger than you, because guess what? You always face stuff that's bigger than you. There's always gonna be things that are bigger than you. The reason why you have fear is because you're facing something that you think is bigger than God. That's why you have fear. So many people Don't understand, there's nothing too big for God. And that's what you need to realize. And that's how you faith your fear. The first thing you do, first scripture is Matthew 19. It says, with you, it might be impossible, but guess what, all things are possible with God. With you, it might be big, but guess what, it ain't too big for God. With you, there might be no way, but it's always a way with God. And every time that you're facing a situation and you get fearful and you start worrying about, can you do this, can you do this? You don't have to, God can That's how you faith your fears. You realize God can see you through this. And when you feel fear, you need to recite 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. What you have to realize, if you're feeling fear, it didn't come from God. You're listening to the wrong thing. You're listening to somebody who wants you to walk away from God. That's what you have to understand is God has not given you that spirit. He's given you a power, love, and a sound mind. The sound mind is saying, guess what? Nothing's too big for God. That's what he's trying to tell you. I got this. I got this. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Don't be worried, for I am your God. I'm all powerful. Your world might be out of control, but I'm still in control. And I'm gonna strengthen you with when you need strength. I'm gonna help you when you need help. And when you can't do it, guess what? I'm gonna hold you up. That's how you faith your fears is realize you have a God that's on your side. He's on your side and he wants the best for you. That's how you faith your fears. Second thing you need to faith, you need to faith your failures. So many times... You think you have to be right, right, right and you mess up and you start giving up on yourself and if you've given up on yourself, you think God's given up on you as well and that's why you run away from God because you've messed up. Guess what? He knows you mess up. He knows you make mistakes. He didn't say come to me after you got everything figured out. He didn't say come to me when you got everything right. You faith your failures by first realizing the love that God has for you. Romans 5.8, it says, for God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saw you were a mess, so get over yourself, okay? He died. He said, I see you're a mess, but I still wanna spend eternity with you, so I'm gonna prepare the way. And not only once I've sent my son and he's died and rose again, now, guess what? There's no condemnation in your mess ups. You might mess up. You might be guilty of something, but I'm not gonna hold you accountable for it because my son already paid the price. Now, there might be consequences because God, God corrects us, but he doesn't condemn us. And the reason why God corrects us is because he wants the best for us I mean, think about it this way. When your kids mess up, you correct them. Why? Not because they're awful, because they've done something wrong, but because you want the best for them. And you know that when they mess up, it's not the best for them. That's what God is doing. He's saying, man, when you get caught up in all of this junk, it's not the best life. And I want you to have the best life. So yeah, I'll correct you, but I'm not going to condemn you. You don't need to walk away from me because of what you've done. Come back. Because no matter what you do, no matter what you go through, nothing can separate you from my love. That's how you faith your failures. Nothing can separate you. Your past, what you do, the biggest mess up you can come up with, the biggest thing you can come up with, nothing is gonna separate you from God's love. And the last thing is you gotta be able to faith your future. People get so concerned about what hasn't happened yet, of what's gonna happen. They go, man, the the future is so uncertain. Well, you know, it is uncertain except for one thing. With Christ, it is certain. God might not always give you the answers, but he always gives you assurance. And you faith your future by holding on to God's assurances. And the first one he says is, guess what? I'm always with you. I'm never gonna leave you, never gonna forsake you, So you can be strong, you can be courageous. You don't have to be afraid of what might happen or what won't happen or what somebody might do to you or what somebody won't do to you. Because guess what? I'm gonna be with you. And as long as you're with me, it's gonna be okay. That's how you faith your future is knowing that every step I'm going with him. And guess what? He's got a plan. When you don't have a plan and you're wondering what's going on, guess what? God's already had a plan. He's just saying, walk in it his plan is great because his plan is to prosper you you keep wondering about man how this how my future look it's going to look bright if you walk with god because he's got a plan for your life and finally you have to realize that when you put your faith in him you're always his your future is secured it's sealed because i give you eternal life and you'll never perish and no one will ever snatch you out of his hand See, when you have faith and you put it in Jesus Christ, you are his. You're a child of God. And he's gonna be with you for eternity. So why should you have faith? Hmm? Why should you have faith? Very simple, 2 Corinthians says this. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. God delivered. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you. And he rose again. And because he defeated the grave, he will see you through anything you face and you'll spend eternity with him. That's why you should have faith. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much the love that you have for us, a love that a lot of us can't fathom because when we look at our lives and we look at what we've gone through and what we've done, we just can't imagine somebody loving us so much to send their son to die for us, but you did. You sent him to die for us so that we could have eternity with you, and we're just so grateful for that. We thank you for never giving up on us, God. Help us to not walk away from a love that sees us through all things. Help us to hold on to who you are through all of adversity, through all of our difficulties, knowing that you've promised to see us through and you can be trusted with your promises. And if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't stepped into that relationship with Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity. You're here for a reason. God wanted you to hear just how much he loves you. God wanted you to know that he wants to spend eternity with you. And he's saying, trust me. Just right where you're sitting, just trust me. Say, God, I do believe you love me that much. I do believe you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And I believe that on the third day he rose again. I truly believe it. And I give my life. I surrender my life to you. Because I want you to be with me always. And I want to always be with you. If you surrendered your life, if you said that, you're his right now. You've sealed your fate, you've sealed your eternity. You are his, and nobody is going to take you from him. And it's the greatest decision you could ever make. God, help us to use our faith to talk other people into faith. Because life with you is the best life. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any prayer needs, we'd love to pray with you. We've got people here up front. If you made a decision, please come let somebody know. We've got next steps. And uh, as you leave, go Cowboys. And and hey, hey, if you don't, don't be wearing those other jerseys. I see some of y'all wearing those other jerseys. You can wear that at home right here. We, 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 but anyway, you do that. Don't let anybody talk you out of your faith. You take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.